when you when I came out of the Air Force and I come back to Kirby, where I'm from, um, I'd gone from being this single carefree young woman of 18 to being a mother, a homeowner, um, somebody who'd sit had several years of work under my belt. And it was a bit, it was a bit of a culture shock. It was like, I'm like, do people have to deal with this stuff? Like, I've got to find a new home, I've got to go out and find a new job, I'm gonna to have to find a school for my daughter. All of those things that you you never really have to think about. And some of the challenges that came with it actually, you know, navigating that system. Um so I had a lot of those frustrations and I thought, well, th- this isn't right, you know, some something needs to be done about this. Why was my life so easy then? And I've come out and it's so difficult to navigate. So that was one of the reasons that I went and joined the party. My name is Johnny Ball and I'm the founder of Campaign Force, a not-for-profit that inspires, trains and coaches the armed forces community to stand up and serve again. I've served on the front line of military operations and in civilian life, the front line of UK politics. This Veterans in Politics podcast is a set of interviews brought to you by Campaign Force and sets out to explore how the military community can help make our politics a better place. I lean into my little black book of contacts and sit down with individuals from across the world of politics, sharing secrets, giving tips and advice, and inspiring the next generation. We are Campaign Force. This is the Veterans in Politics podcast. Let's introduce you to our guest. Louise Harbour was a Labour councillor up until May this year. Not only that, but she was deputy leader of the council in the area she grew up in. Before politics, it started with a career in the RAF, where she was very much in the minority. Louise is simply inspiring, and we are sure and hope to see her return to political service. It's time for you to meet our guest. I am passionate about local government, which is why I am so pleased to be joined by Councillor Louise Harbour, the deputy leader, in fact, the first ever woman deputy leader of Nosley Council and a former member of the Royal Air Force. Louise, great to catch up again. How are you? Thanks for coming on the show. Hi, Johnny. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm very well, thank you. Um, yeah, it's it's an honour to be here. I've been following your podcast for, for a few months now and it catches up on all your past episodes, so I'm really pleased to be part of it. Well, I'm just pleased that you said yes, quite frankly. You know, random punter sends you a message on Twitter saying we come on my show. So thank you ever so much for coming on the show. Um, but as I said, in the intro there, you did serve in the Royal Air Force and we like to delve into the military paths of our guests. And what was that service like for you? And, and how do you reflect on it today looking back? Um, God, it was it was all part of my formative years really so when, when I reflect back I was 18 when I joined the Royal Air Force straight from college um, and I sort of arrived there a girl and, and left a woman I think it was all, all those formative years of sort of first time moving moving out of the home looking after myself um, into this big job with lots of different people from all over the country all different types of backgrounds and um, Met my husband there, started my family there, living on different camps and meeting new people all the time. So that whole um, period of my life was sort of has formed who I am now. Um, 
so and, and thoroughly enjoyed it. It also helped me, you know, I think if we skip forward to where I am now in politics and all the different people that you have to deal with all the time, sort of having that at such a young age um, and, and in those years where you are transitioning from sort of being a teenager into becoming a, a fully-fledged grown-up, um, I think it's given me some great relationship skills to build on as well, which which really helps in the current role. Yeah, I think it's um, often understated, actually, that first of all, you're flung into an environment from people all over the UK and, in fact, from across the Commonwealth as well, uh, particularly these days. So the exposure you have to different people of different backgrounds just enriches you as a person. Uh, and your particular branch, the engineering branch, you know, you were in a world where there were a lot of men as well. And you were, um, is that right in saying, pretty much the only woman um, within certain periods of your work how was that um on as a young person uh, joining the royal air force yeah at times i was the only woman in the section with a, anywhere between 150 and 180 men um not too big a transition for me really i'm, I'm from uh, an armed forces family with two older brothers uh, and then i'd gone to college after school and did an engineering course at college which i was the only girl there as well um, so it's a bit of a trend throughout life, really. Um, it, it, do you know what? It was great. I, I had a, a wonderful time in the Air Force. Some amazing people, um, and, and some of the men I work with were, were fantastic. Um, so yeah, there was no there was no issue as far as that was concerned. Um, and I've always been able to hold my own anyway. Um, but you know, as you'll probably understand, being the only woman. In, in a section like that there's, there's not much I haven't heard in the tea room so not easily offended generally <laughs> well yeah as I said take that into politics and on the doorstep and in the council chamber <laughs> what a transferable skill what a transferable <laughs> skill um but you, you know you continued your service in politics as I've mentioned and I mean what on earth what inspired you what are those factors that inspired you to to stand up and serve again in local government were there any sort of key influences, any moments in your life where you thought, Do you know what, yeah, one day I'm going to go into politics? Um, it's been a series of events, really. It was never an aim or a goal, but each sort of little step along the journey sort of directed me that way. So I've come from quite a political family. So growing up, my father was quite involved with politics and he was a, a, a an activist um, in his younger years. So I spent a lot of time as a child out campaigning and canvassing and doing all those things. So I was always aware of it. Um, and obviously you go through your teenage years and sometimes, you know, all that stuff doesn't seem that important. But it was always there in the background and I've always had a strong sense of social justice. Then obviously when I joined the Air Force, you, you're unable to be political. And probably at that time in my life, I didn't feel like I needed to be. So you go into the armed forces and you you don't have to worry about that personal admin to some respect it's not an easy job in the forces you have all the other challenges but the challenges of just general life and you know housing accommodation you know all of the issues that you know infrastructure the schools on camp there's bars on camp there's this gym everything's provided for you so when you when I came out of the Air Force and I come back to Kirby, where I'm from, um, I'd gone from being this single, carefree young woman of 18 to being a mother, a homeowner, 
um, someone who'd sit, had several years of work under my belt. And it was a bit, it was a bit of a culture shock. It was like, I'm like, do people have to deal with this stuff? Like, I've got to find a new home. I've got to go out and find a new job. I'm going to have to find a school for my daughter. All of those things that you, you never really have to think about. And some of the challenges that came with it, actually, you know, navigating that system. Um, so I had a lot of those frustrations and I thought, well, th- this isn't right. You know, some something needs to be done about this. Why was my life so easy then? And I've come out and it's so difficult to navigate. So that was one of the reasons that I went and joined the party and got involved campaigning, got involved more actively in, in, in local campaigns um, and national campaigns. And I was quite happy doing that for quite some time, actually, um, nearly 10 years. And then I got approached to ask, did I want to stand in a seat? And I still wasn't convinced it was for me, you know. And I still sometimes have this sort of imposter syndrome when you asked me to come onto the show. And I was thinking, um, you know, when we first chatted and they explained, you know, I've listened to some of your guests and they've got these amazing careers in the forces, highly decorated, done all these amazing things. And sometimes I have that imposter syndrome of, you know, is that for me? Am I allowed to do that? Is is that little girl from Kirby allowed to, to have these things and have a say? Does anyone want to listen to me? Um, but I got over that and I, and I stood. Um, and, and once I got elected in the last four years that I've served, it's been the best thing that I've ever done. Um, and that's where I think what people need to understand with politics is you don't have to know it all. It's it's a it's an attitude. It's your persona. It's it's the way you are with people. And you're from that community. Nobody else, no matter how many certificates, degrees, anything else that they have, can do that job as well as you can because you are you're not a delegate as a councillor. You're a representative. You are the voice of the people and that link between the council to make their improvements. So I think once I sort of got that into my head, I thought, now I can do this, actually. Um, and, yeah, I'm quite good at this. And, and the confidence is built over time. But for me, it's that opportunity to serve the community, to give back, um, because this community has made me who I am, um, and to try and ease them pressures that I felt like I went through when I first got the Air Force, try and make those systems better, communication better. Um, it's been the best thing that, that I've ever done. Well, all I can say, Louise, is that absolutely you've got a place on this podcast. Your voice is just as important as those people that you've alluded to. Um, and I'm just delighted that you've agreed to come on the show. And I know that people listening will hear your story and hear your voice and think, actually, it's time for me to stand up and serve again, and use my voice as well. Um, but just some of those things you mentioned there, those factors that did enable you to stand up and serve in local government, you mentioned your family. Um, you also mentioned that you came home and saw some things that weren't just quite right that you, you wanted to to um, sort out. And the third thing, which is about someone just asking you, asking you to stand. And I think those three factors are really important. And where perhaps people don't have family that have served in politics, I mean, my family haven't had any political connections, but my dad was very politically aware and would sit up and watch Question Time. I've mentioned that in the past. Um, I, I hope that in the armed forces, we are a family. This armed force community is a family and that people by extension will see your example as that. 
family that has served and they'll follow in your family footstep, even if perhaps their parents hadn't served in local government. So absolutely your voice is there. I'm glad you've got over that uh, because now um, you are serving in local government and you and you have some pretty challenging things you work on adult and social care i know is one of your responsibilities um what, what are those challenges like at the moment in local government on a day-to-day basis and and how on earth are, are you overcoming them both personally and as a council how difficult is that i mean i'd say for the, for the last you know 10 12 years we've had some unprecedented financial pressures and the council's lost about 100 million to its budget and we, we've never been the best funded borough in the country, we're the second uh, poorest funded borough in the country. Um, so that brings along challenges, obviously, um, having to make those savings over the years. Um, you know, and if you couple that with, um, you know, environmental challenges that we have at the moment, we go through a lot of change with the health and social care bill, uh, nationality and borders bills coming into play. We've had welfare reform over the last few years. Um, and people in our area have always struggled in some sense. You know, throw on top of that a pandemic and a cost of living crisis and all those. So the, the challenges aren't going away. In fact, that they're being exacerbated in some ways. Um, and with little resource, that's been difficult to tackle. But I do think we have tackled that, actually. Um, you know, we, we haven't made, had to make any savings over the last few years in our budgets um, to the council because we've had to think in a different way and um, bringing in our own revenue schemes, regenerating the area, uh, providing jobs, building homes. And for a small borough who's got the financial pressures that it has, uh, we're doing we do, we're doing pretty well um, with, with all the different projects that we've got going on. But those challenges aren't going to go away. And I don't see it um, getting any easier. We might get more creative, but um, I think at the moment what people need, I think with all the different reforms and different bills that are going through, what people actually need at the moment is just a little bit of stability and a little bit of um, security and the knowledge that things might be stable for a couple of years. So, and again, that goes to like, you know, for years we've had um, year on year um allocations funded for local government a three-year one this year but the way it's been allocated that's still throwing in some challenges as well uh, but at the minute we just need some stability to to step that forward um, and a little bit less change and, and, and get back up to an even playing field but we have got a lot of challenges in our area but I do think we meet them as best we can under the circumstances yeah, I think what you just described there are those challenges that are out of your control. Some of those things you just can't foresee, you know, that we've all experienced right across the country and across the world. But some of those solutions are in your control. So how that, that you mentioned that creativity, how how has that approach been developed, that creativity within your team? Because you are the first, as I said, the first ever woman deputy leader of your council. So how have you influenced that and shaped that those in response to those challenges? What kind of things? Because I think people don't actually realize that local government have a lot of power, a lot of ability to change your communities. What are those examples that you can bring to demonstrate how you've made a better, you're better to your community? 
Well, I think, you know, particularly over the last couple of years and in the face of a global pandemic, we've had some massive uh, town centre regeneration schemes that have gone on, um, which through financial shrewdness uh, that the, the council have been able to fund. And we've, we've benefited also from um, the devolution deal with the um, Liverpool City Region Mayor as well. And um, that's really worked well for us. So we've done a huge generation of Kirby Town Centre, where I'm from, um, Highton Town Centre and Prescott as well. And it's created literally hundreds of jobs. Um, we're ahead on house building nationally, which has really helped because obviously that's raised our council tax base. So we've got that investment going in as well. Um, and again, for, for a small borough, sometimes people say, you say from those and they go, well, where's that? But we've got actually... A lot of wonderful things in those, a lot of creativity and um, a lot of culture with the Liverpool City Region Borough of Culture this year. And we've really tried to capitalise on that and, and use it as a way for people to come out of the pandemic, be part of the community again, show the creativity we have. We've got links with Shakespeare, Edward Lear, uh, we've got a Shakespearean theatre being built. You know, we're building a Shakespearean theatre at the council uh, in Prescott which is going to be one of three in the world. So for a small borough with the challenges we've got, we have been thinking creatively of how we can best use the talents, the, the heritage um, that, that we have in Nosey, the transport links. We've got a, a, an industrial estate and we've been part of the, um, the business rate retention pilot scheme, which has been amazing because that's been able to bring in a lot of that investment and just keep recreating those jobs. We're, we're booking the trend on high streets. We're, we're up on the national trend on high streets, unbelievably. Um, so there's a lot of things that we are doing as council um, that, that help that. And from the adult social care side, one of the joys of my portfolio, not just the adult social care, is um, also heading up the Stronger Communities team. And that was set up to sort of bolster and harness all of this wonderful creativity we've seen from the community. Um, so community groups, charities, CICs that have sprung up throughout the pandemic. Um, they know this area better than anybody. We don't want to sit there, us as councillors or, or council officers, saying these are the problems we know how to fix them. We're saying, you know the problems and you know how to fix them. How can we help you do that? So we've, we've got um, the Nosley Better Together approach, which brings that together. And we, we do sort of early investment, community empowerment funds, um, helping with that asset community asset transfers to get these these um, systems up to help with the early intervention on the ground so that we don't have to actually push these people along into adult social care so we have all of that happening and as well as it being the better outcome for the people in the area it's also cost saving for us and giving people a better quality of life so we are thinking creatively and outside the box um, and, and achieving those goals so I'm proud that we're meeting the challenges. I just wish it was a little bit easier because if we had the headspace, we could do so much more. Wow. Have you got any hobbies? <laughs> um, I've got my um, guitar and gun that's just gathering dust. I haven't got much time for anything else. <laughs> I was going to say, with all of that, I mean, if people have been thinking about, oh, you know, local government doesn't matter, you know, my vote doesn't matter when in local elections, or oh, local government's not for me. I mean, listen to that. Um, you, I, I fi that's fired me up. Um, all of those examples, 
um, that creativity, that interaction with the community, that's something to be so proud of um, that, you know, I, I urge people to look you up and see and see that work going on. Um, but I guess um, it's not all rosy, is it? Because we still do have uh, a lack of women uh, role models in our politics, particularly in local government. Uh, I think um, the last time I looked, a stat was something as stark as just a third of all local authorities are led by women. So it's great to see you in a position of leadership in a local authority. I mean, why? I mean, you you know, it didn't put you off uh, a male-dominated workplace in the RAF, engineering, um, of all things. Um, that didn't put you off. Politics didn't put you off. But why are so many other women put off from politics? Uh, and what what can we do to encourage more women into it? I think, um, you know, the, the comment there, do you have any hobbies? Um I don't need a hobby because I love what I do. So, uh, you know, you can see I light up when I start talking about the community and what we do together. Um, but I think I do think there is a, a difficulty for women. I'm very lucky and nosy that everyone's supported of it, supportive of everyone. The current cabinet's five women out of seven. Wow. Um, so, you know, we also booked the trend on that as well. And some really inspiring women who've been in politics for a long time. Um, but I think the difficulties... For women, I was very lucky that I had. I, I'm a single woman. I've been for a long time. Even when I sort of entered into politics, I was very lucky that I had family support. Meetings are generally late at night when you're bathing the kids or putting them to bed. Um, also, I only have one income generally as a single mum. So you know, people often think councillors are paid a fortune, but we, we get an allowance. But it, it's nowhere near a wage. And if you boiled it down to an hour the wage you, you couldn't survive on it um, and I'm not complaining about that at all because I would literally do this job for nothing um, but you know you also have to work I, I still work full-time now um, so you have to work you have to, to balance that and then if you want to get on fit and that's just as, as a counsellor just doing your normal ward cases and all the duties you've got then if you want to progress and you move into sort of a cabinet role or a scrutiny chair position or there's other things you get a lot more time pressured as well um so i do think there needs to be a look at how women can be supported into politics usually it's it's a logistical problem i think um for, for a lot of women and i think more needs to be done to support that as well yeah I, and there's some easy things we can do i remember when i worked for a local authority leader uh, we had a, a review we were doing reviews of our councillors and uh, there was a cabinet member came in who is also a young um, grandmother as well and was, was just sharing the the, sh the childcare for her daughter. And she actually brought in her grandchild into the meeting and there was nothing, no big deal about it, no comment. It was just normal uh, because that was the kind of culture that the leader created within his team. Uh, and we need, there are small things we can all do uh, within our workplaces, whether they be civilian, military or in politics too, just to make it a lot easier for for women um, and for indeed ch men that are child carers too, to be able to facilitate parents in politics. Because as you've um, highlighted, it is difficult. Lots of uh, evening meetings. So support of families um, and friends to enable you to do what you do in, in local communities is really important. Uh, but you know, yeah, your, your community does fire you up. I could see that. Um, but looking back, what would what would that young REF Louise, um, when you, that eighteen year old, what would she think about where you are today, doing what you're doing in politics? Oh God, um, what would she think? 
Um, do you know what? I, I'm not sure. I think I I always knew I'd be involved in some way. Like I say, I've always, and even my line of work now, in my day job as well, it, it's all about, um, you know, social, social justice locally, globally. I think I always would have ended up there. And I think she would have probably known that at the back of her mind. Although, you know, after 20 or so years since since joining the Air Force, um, God, it, it's been an experience. And I, I think I would say to anyone who, who wants to get into, into politics, I do, I do think be- politicians that fall into it or are steered into politics tend to do better than those who aim to be there um so I think she'd have just said just just roll with it roll with the punches see where it takes you sit up take notice and um do what you can to make sure you can make people's lives better Councillor Louise Harbour I think we'll leave it there thank you so much thanks Johnny Hello, it's Johnny here, but guess what? It could be you right here on this part of the podcast. Whether you've got an organisation or a business or an individual that needs supporting, we are reserving this spot for members of our Parliamentary Business Club as a direct benefit of joining our club and supporting Campaign Force, or indeed sponsors of the podcast too. So this is something that interests you, then get in touch at johnny at campaignforce.co.uk. Thanks to our guests and thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, hit subscribe now. Alternatively, you can support our mission by checking out in the show notes below where you can rate, donate or become our mate. Thank you.